0: How beautiful. Good morning. I don't even remember what the theme for the month is. Oh, everything is holy now. Everything is holy now. And so today's talk is about miracles. Miracles abound. And so I looked it up in the dictionary. It says, a miracle is a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of divine agency. It also says, you know, it's like walking on water, raising the dead, that sort of thing. That's a miracle. It also says a highly improbable or extraordinary event, development, or accomplishment that brings very welcome circumstances. You know, like it was a miracle more people weren't killed in that tornado. You know, that sort of thing. And also says this, an amazing product or achievement or an outstanding accomplishment of something, like uh, that new card design, right? It's a miracle of design, stuff like that. So there are your definitions of really a miracle. Now, Ernest Holmes said this. He said, a miracle is merely something we are not accustomed to seeing or experiencing, In reality, there are no miracles. For what seems to be a miracle is but an effect of a supremely natural law. The faith that can bring about the least demonstration can bring about the greatest. Great and small exist only in the consciousness of humanity. In the universal mind, there is but one element, completion or perfection. So, either everything's a miracle or nothing is. Either this is just the the way life is or it's just random, right? Einstein said this. He said, there's only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other, as though everything is a miracle. I'm inclined to believe everything is a miracle. I'm just inclined to believe everything is a miracle. The Big Bang... Right? Uh, The event, not the show. (laughs) It's a miracle. Right? Life developing on Earth, I think that's a miracle. Right? My life, your life, your life, your life is a miracle. It's a miracle. Think of the odds. Just think of the odds for a minute. Between 40 million and 1.2 billion sperm cells chased down one single egg. And the winner of that particular race is you. <laughs> That's amazing. That is a miracle. That is a miracle. When you pick up the phone and the person you're calling is on the other end. Have you ever done that? That's a miracle. It doesn't happen too often anymore with cell phones. But I know with landlines it used to happen a lot. When you and your sister keep sending a relative the same greeting card over and over and over again, right? It's a coincidence. That's what we say, right? It's a coincidence. Spirit expresses in coincidence. Always, always. We tend to think of miracles as those suspensions of physical and natural laws as told to us in the Bible and other sacred scriptures. And I will suggest to you that those examples of miracles are mythology, not fact. Walking on water, raising the dead, people ascending into heaven. I would suggest that those stories were given to us to convey a principle not to record a factual truth. Allegories, fables, parables, all meant to impart a greater idea of what life is like. And they come to us through night language. You know, there's day language and there's night language. As with everything in our lives, there is an event, there is the story that we make up, about the event, and then there is the belief or meaning that we that we draw from the story about the event, right? So day language is our objective reality. It is just the facts, just the facts, tell me what happened. Day language is our, is our objective reality. Night language is poetry and metaphor and allegory and symbolism and it conveys a meaning. And we're OK with both of them until we mix them up without acknowledging which language we're speaking from. If you ask me what I did for lunch yesterday, and I said to you that I sprouted wings, and I flew to Santa Barbara, and I landed on State Street and had a lovely lunch on the, on the telephone wires with the other crows, you might suggest counseling for me. <laughs> Now, if if you asked me what my latest dream was, and I told you that same story, we would start discussing symbology, wouldn't we? We would start to to discuss dream symbolism, and perhaps what that meant to me, or what what those symbols might mean in, in dreams. The difference is day language and night language. And so I would invite you to consider the Bible in the light of night language. Allegories, poetry, parables, all intended to convey a larger story, the story of humanity. Does dead tissue reanimate? No, it doesn't. It never did, and it never will. Didn't do it for Lazarus? Didn't do it for Jesus. Didn't do it for Frankenstein, for that matter. (laughs) Stories of reanimation, resurrection, and ascension are symbols of things. They tell a greater story. The inerrancy of the Bible, you know, that belief that the Bible is all truth, all facts, written by God. (laughs) is a relatively new belief espoused by theologians as pushback against the European Enlightenment of the 18th century and the age of reason and scientific methodology. It was a religious drawing of a line in the sand. You're either with us or you're against us. You can be either religious or scientific, but you cannot be both. But what was lost in the fanatical retreat into Bible inerrancy is metaphor and allegory, is poetry, is the beauty of the layers of meaning that those stories had. It became the Bible. I believe it. You know, God wrote it. I believe it. That's the end of it. And it loses so much. It loses the poetry, the fiction, the imagination of those stories with their layers of symbolism and beauty. You know, traditional Christianity has painted itself into a corner it cannot escape from until it admits that those stories are not historical facts. Jack Bishop, John Shelby Spong, said, Carl Sagan once said to him, If Jesus literally ascended into the sky and traveled at the speed of light, he has not yet escaped our galaxy. (laughs) Kind of sad to think of Jesus floating around out there, isn't it? Still trying to make his way to a literal heaven. And yet, miracles abound, don't they? And yet, miracles abound. Every time we align with a spiritual law and we expand our faith into it, conditions change. Ernest Holmes said, if we had the same faith in spiritual law that we have in physical law, our faith would be complete and miracles would happen every day. Just because there is a something acting upon our thoughts. That's really what it is. It's an alignment with principle." Just like natural laws work the same way all the time, spiritual laws work the same way all the time. We set an intention for a new work, right? We pray, we affirm, we move our feet, we manifest the job. Or we don't. Or we don't. St. Augustine said miracles are not contrary to nature, but only contrary to what we know about nature. So we keep on, right? We don't get that job, but we keep on doing what we do. We keep on our spiritual practice. We keep praying. We keep affirming. We keep holding the highest intention. We keep our thoughts resonating with the all good, and we, and we get a job. Maybe not the one we were thinking about, but we remained open at the top. We allowed spirit to work in and through and around and as us, right? Not attached to outcome, and we manifest our position. A miracle? Sure. Sure is. Sure is. Thich Nhat Hanh said, people usually consider walking on water or or in thin air a miracle. But I think the real miracle is to walk, uh, is not walk on water or in thin air, but to walk on the earth. Every day we're engaged in a miracle, which we don't even recognize. A blue sky, the white clouds, the green leaves, The curious eyes of a child, our own two eyes, everything is a miracle. So so I've been feeling particularly poorly lately, (laughs) the appearance of illness, you know. And so it got me thinking about antibiotics, you know, because that's where you go when you're not feeling well, right? Let me start thinking about the miracles of modern medicine. I started thinking about antibiotics, and I thought to myself, you know, relatively new invention. Antibiotics, really, they're a product of World War II. We've only started using them since the 40s. They've only been around since the 40s when you really, think about it. My grandmother's sister died at 13 years old from peritonitis from a ruptured appendix in 1916 because it was before the advent of antibiotics. The surgery to remove the appendix was successful but she died from the infection. Antibiotics, a miracle. A miracle? A miracle. So we look around the world with these open eyes. Uh, Actually, eyes opened with wonder. And we begin to realize all of life is a miracle. All of life is a miracle. All the different colors of tulips, a miracle, right? A miracle. The faithful companion we call dog, <laughs> a miracle. Flight, and cars, and computers, and air conditioning. And I threw the air conditioning in just for Ernest Holmes. <laughs> because he loved his car. I think it was the last car he owned, right? It was the Cadillac. It was the last car he bought. Um, had air con- He called it air cooling. He was thrilled with it. He loved air cooling so much because he lived up in the valley in LA, and he said it gets so bloody hot up there. And he loved his car with air cooling. He said he was going to be buried in it. (laughs) But air cooling, a miracle, right? A miracle. And Ernest Holmes said this, Miracles never happen. Every manifestation of faith through prayer, every wonder and sign which has followed the devotional life has been logical and inevitable and an irresistible result Of some cause set in motion by life principle. And that's what we're doing when we do our prayer work and our affirmations, right? We align with a power and principle that is greater than we are. It operates through us, as us, in the world. Rearranging conditions around us as only it can. It's not supernatural. It's supernormal. Super normal. Single parents raising children. It's a miracle. Holy moly, I don't know how they can do that. I just, I just, I'm, you know, in awe all the time of single parents. People working two and three jobs just to pay the bills, just to keep the roof over their head and food on the table. That is a miracle. That's a miracle. Men and women who create art, who sing Right? Who sing, who write music, who paint paintings, who, do, who, who write research papers, who create out of thin air. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. Folks who do the healing work of forgiveness. You know you've done it. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. Ernest Holmes said, now, it is said that Jesus multiplied loaves and fishes and raised the dead and healed the sick and brought the boat immediately to shore and did all kinds of things we call miracles. But there are no miracles in God's life. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and never departs from its own being. Jesus understood that something, which he referred to as the truth, that shall make us free. It is the nature of spirit to give. It is the nature of spirit to to create. It is the nature of spirit to inhabit all forms everywhere. And we are that. Do we want to call it a miracle? Absolutely. Then either none of it is or all of it is. and, And I would suggest it all is. Going back to what Albert Einstein said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. I invite you to live as though everything is a miracle because it is. Thank you so much. <laughs> Yay! Thank you.